It's time for JT the Brick. I'm working for free today. Get the blank out of here. The tackles that are coming into this program have now got to be. One of them's got to pop like Daryl Russell. One of them's got to pop. Who's it going to be? How long have we been waiting for a young defensive tackle to come in here since Daryl Russell and go, I got this. Don't take me off the field. I'm a beast. JT the Brick. I'm on a roll. I want an elite superstar, 25-year-old linebacker who's going to play five years in a row. You're going to pay him a new contract, and he's just great. This place hasn't done that well, and now Dave Ziegler probably could do a much better job at that position, I would believe, because the Patriots had a lot of good linebackers. Play that rant again. I'll get the hell out of here. And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. JT, hour number two on the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio. Busy day today, Bill Williamson, who does a great job, SB Nation, Raider Insider, I think as long as anybody, 25 years or so, uh, he'll join us and he'll be part of our two-week rotation of all the insiders that we have lined up as we... Added some good ones in the offseason, so we'll let you know who they are. But we have seven or eight insiders on a two-week rotation, and they'll bring their passion and their ideas of the Raiders and their analysis uh, starting them. Holding them back, man. Holding them back so they can enjoy the month of August. Less of me is a good thing. And they'll start up as uh, the week of the first game of the year, which is at the Chargers. We'll be talking more and more about the Chargers, which I've been reminding you that the Chargers get way too much press. Way too much press, but they'll deserve it the week of the game. The Raiders open up on the road against the Chargers and the home openers against Arizona. Two great quarterbacks. Not good, great. They're great. One has a Heisman Trophy who's fantastic, who's unbelievable, in Kyler Murray outside the pocket. And then the other guy is Justin Herbert, who... I've said is the best young quarterback that I've seen. The best that I've seen in person. Uh, he was more impressive to me than Mahomes the first time I saw him. And you know how great Mahomes is. So we have to deal with Justin Herbert on this radio show for a long time. They're going to lock him up on a contract. He's going to be the highest paid quarterback of all time when his contract becomes available. And then the Raiders are going to play him twice a year. And maybe in the playoffs. So we're going to have to deal with this guy. And that's why you got Chandler Jones and Mad Max. And that's why Dave Ziegler has to continue to build up this defensive line. I want to start off this hour by talking about a player that Deron Harmon is going to have an impact on this team because of his experience, uh, what he's done with the Patriots from 2013 through 19. And then, you know, he's with the Raiders now. He's a three-time Super Bowl champion. But he's a guy who brings enormous experience to the practice field on what Patrick Graham's trying to do now. So Adam Hill wrote a nice column today on Harmon wants to make a big impact. And we have some sound from his last press conference when he talks about the winning edge, winning coming from New England, and what he has to do every day to prepare this team. Um, like, well, like I said uh, before, um, coming to a place uh, – with a coaching staff that I was familiar with, um, that did things the way that I was used to, um, was a big part. Um, and like you said, um, Coach McDaniels, you know, he's done a lot of winning in his career, um, especially him as the, you know, offensive coordinator for the Patriots. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, this is a new team, you know, it's a new opportunity for him and myself. So just trying to make the most of it, you know, like I said, the, the team is very, very talented, but talent can only take you so far i love that comment he played on teams in new england that were talented but they didn't have a lot of names on defense and they had some really good players but they didn't have these names that popped off the screen on you 
And he was there for three Super Bowls. And this is a guy who has 21 career interceptions. How long have I been talking to all of you about catching the football? Catching the football and tackling something that he could do if he's going to have that impact. He talked about his ball impact on how to get to the football and make plays. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's a little bit of both. Um, the older that I've, you know, the older that I, I am, uh, the more ball I played. You kind of understand in each coverage where the quarterback is trying to throw the ball. So, um, as a deep safety or you know any zone type of player, um, if you can have just an edge or just a little tip to where you think the ball is and just anticipating where to break. Um, those are, you know, where those tips um, and uh, those overthrows might come where you have a chance to put your hands on the ball. And then some of it is just, you know, just instincts, you know, just being able to break on the ball, read the quarterback, knowing when his arm comes off, um, that's when you make your break and that's when you find your receiver located and then look for the ball. Yeah, it's Deron Harmon, and that's a really good point, isn't it? Being in the right area code. Just being near the ball in case there's a tip or an overthrow. And he's very good at that. And that helps Trayvon Merrick out. And I'm hoping it's helping in the in the in the room, in the safety room, Jonathan Abram, because Jonathan Abram is never around the football when it comes to the passing game. He's around it in the running game, but maybe he learned something in film study with Deron Harmon and Abram could play better in that situation there couple of more sound bites on helping the younger players. That's a big part of what Dave Ziegler has with these former Patriots coming in, familiar with the system and how they can help some of the younger guys. I mean, I guess I'm the old guy in the group now. I hate saying that, you know, but it, it is what it is <laughs> for sure. So, um, like, I, I've been in this defense. You know, I understand the defense. I know, like I said, where the offense is trying to attack. So, anytime, like you said, like I've been out there with Sam, um, there's been a couple of times, hey, get ready for this, uh, with, with Timo, with John, just everybody, you know, just just understand where, you know, Josh is trying to attack our defense and, and what coverages we're in and, you know, just trying to be a good teammate. Yeah, that's a really cool comment at where Josh, Josh McDaniels wants to attack the defense. He was able to do that with Tom Brady. Imagine the advantage Brady had with Josh McDaniels in practice, knowing, hey, we're going here today. We're going to work on Gronk releasing and coming across the field. Imagine being a safety in that system under Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia going, hey, man, they're running Gronk today right at you. Be ready to tackle. Be ready to know where he is and then be able to cover these backs out of the backfield. One more from Deron Harmon on the leadership in that defensive back room and how everybody seems to be coming together. Um, we got a lot of young guys, a lot of talented young guys, and they're all just, you know, they're all ears open. You know, they're trying to figure out how I got the year 10. Um, they're trying to figure out Tom, how Tom worked, how Matthew Slater worked, how, you know, Devin McCourty, like everybody um, is asking questions. They're asking Steph uh, questions about uh, Steph Gilmore. So it's, you know, it's, it's cool, you know, for guys to want to be great and then ask the questions, but not only just ask the questions, but I see them, you know, putting it to work now, you know, hot tub, cold tub every day, stretching, you know, staying after. We get out at 6 o'clock, but, you know, majority of the team probably doesn't leave here until about 6.45, 7. So, you know, it's the team that's just, you know, just putting in work. Like I said, it's a young team, but it's a team that's uh, very hungry. Really enjoyed listening to him. Thanks to DeMond for pulling that sound. You know, I don't know him well, but he sounds like, you know, coming into year 10, he's got three Super Bowl ranks. It's an advantage. It really is an advantage. Derwin James is over in L.A. with the Chargers. He doesn't have any Super Bowl rings. They never make the playoffs. Everybody praises how great he is. Yeah, he's a better player than Harmon, but what has he got to show for it? 
There's some guys in the room there that came over from the Patriots with some bling, the ability to win, so I like that. Other than that, today there's a couple of injuries around the league. Uh, Roger Goodell says there's enough evidence to call for a full-year suspension for Deshaun Watson. We'll see if that comes down. We know that Sean McVay got a contract extension. He's waiting on his GM to get his before they announce it. So that's an exciting story if you're a fan out west and understand what that means. And last night was the debut of Hard Knocks with the Detroit Lions, and I thought it was fun. I thought it was good. I mean, their coach is emotional. Their coach is highly emotional. And I'm watching it because of a former Raider coach, Johnny Morton, who was my neighbor and very good friend of mine over the decades. When he played for the Raiders at tight end, he was an offensive lead assistant here for the Raiders, and now he ended up in Detroit. And I wanted to see him, and I'm wishing him nothing but the best there. A lot of Raider coaches from last year are around the league, and I'm pulling for them to have success because they were good friends that I got a chance to meet over the years. Bill Williamson, kind enough to join us. We're covering the Raiders for SB Nation. And, Bill, I see it here in your Twitter avatar. This is 26 years for you. How many of those years were covering the Raiders? Uh, pretty much since 2008, JT. Yeah, right. You know, di- different uh, different outlets, different roles. But, yeah, so it's been, uh, what, the 15th season. Yeah, it's been a long run. It's been great to have you on over the years. So let's get into some of the bright points and some of the concerns that you have now as you're providing content. Let's start off with the inability for some guys to be on the field. Anything jump out at you, or you just think it's really early in the preseason and these guys will be ready when the time is to go against the Chargers? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard to gauge some of them, you know, because like all coaching staffs, Josh McDaniels doesn't really tell you much in the preseason because they don't have to, and that's... Mm. You know, that's pretty much every head coach. So, you, you, you know, you, you don't know if you need to worry about some guys. Um, you know, Chandler Jones missed a couple weeks, but he's back now. And, you know, it's, what, almost five weeks before the season, so he's fine. Darren Waller's been out for about ten days now. We'll see. Probably doesn't play in the preseason. Wasn't going to play, play much anyways. But, you know, again, there's almost five weeks, and there's been no real – indication that that's serious so you you just don't know i think you focus on the guys who are on the pup who have to be back by the 23rd which is creeping up um you know and that's nichols hankins and and mullen and i know Vinny had a report on twitter about four days ago saying there was some optimism so if they're not back you know within two weeks they missed the first four games of the season but there seems to be hope there so you know as you know, everything's relative. Um, I think it's been a fairly, you know, a Raider fans should knock on wood as I say this, mm-hmm. but it's been a fairly healthy camp, yeah. relatively speaking. You know, you lost Fackrell, you lost um, Kaiser for the year, mm-hmm. and, and that's no fun. And then, you know, you got uh, Brandon Parker's out right now. You don't know what's going on with that. Um, but, you know, again, 32 teams all have something going on at this point. Bill Williamson joins us. So let's stay with the offensive line with Brandon Parker. And now the reps that we're seeing with Alex Leatherwood on the right side. I've been good with that because, 
He played at the highest level in college at the position. He's already played a lot of snaps at both the outside and the inside. They moved him because he wasn't playing well, but he had an offseason. He had an offseason of preparation and now new coaches, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he can play right tackle if he can move his feet a little bit better against some of these pass rushers on the edge. So are you concerned about them, or would you rather see Leatherwood inside playing right guard and go find another right tackle? I think ideally it's right tackle, but I think that decision needs to be made with him, not necessarily the starting five, but with him where he's going to be right now. Mm-hmm. You know that that has to because it, it's it's getting late, yeah. um, and there's there's but there, there's still times of he, you know where he's going to be, and I, I think they do. I think it is right tackle, and that it's, you know if he's not the starter, well, hey, that's another problem. You know that they that that means that you know they're going to have to maybe look at other people long term, but I think. He needs to get a long look at right tackle and see if he can handle it. If he can't, well, again, worry about that then. But, um, you know, they, they have other guards, and, mm-hmm. and I think that his prototype is, is a right tackle. Let's, and let's see if he can win that job. Bill Williamson joins us. So, Bill, I was just talking before you came on about Deron Harmon and Jonathan Abram and Trayvon Merrick, who I'm really high on overall. We're waiting to hear what's going to happen with Mullen. I think the big takeaway for me at the practices I've been at is the way that Nate Hobbs is popping. And I think he's going to start at an outside corner opposite Arakia Sin, which we need to see him out on the field again. Not concerned about that, but Hobbs had some personal issues last year. Hopefully they're all behind him. Are you comfortable with him in the slot and playing on the outside and being one of these Patrick Graham hybrids out there? Well, I mean, this is a guy who's really has has stood out every time he's got mm-hmm. a chance, right? Every level. Like when remember his rookie mini camp, nobody they, everybody's talking about him. Training camp, everybody's talking about him. Preseason you see him and he stands out. Regular season he makes plays. So why not? I think he's just one of those really good players who's gonna have a, a strong NFL career and if and if he can be a starting outside cornerback and a good one Wow, what a bonus, right? Yeah, I think he's got to have to. He's got to pop. Max Crosby and Nate Hobbs from the former regime of Mike Mayock. If these two guys are pro bowlers, and they, I mean pro bowlers, Hobbs could play at that level where he's competing, and then year three or four or year five, we're talking about him becoming a pro bowler. That, that's how you have to have a team. You have to have former players from the former regime that stick around and play at a high level, and then the new guys coming in have to fill some gaps. Uh, I want to stay also and move over to what you saw in Canton, Ohio. I didn't get your opinion on the radio about Josh Jacobs playing. Did that shock you, surprise you? No big deal. What did you think of that? Well, it was certainly interesting. It, it, you know, it was uh, you know unexpected, I would say. But, again, as McDaniels himself pointed out he wasn't the only starter to play. I I, I think I was surprised to see four of the five offensive linemen mm-hmm. uh, play. I was surprised to see a lot of defensive guys play. Um, you know, I, I think it was more than half of the starter projected starters played. Um, you know, I, I think the thing with Josh Jacobs, and I know it was a topic on the game, and I know it was a topic on all the top shows nationally the next day because it was a national televised game. You just not expect to see a guy, a household a running back name, play. So I get the storylines, but mm-hmm. the taking it from A to all the way he's going to be trade bait, I thought that was a little much. Um, 
you know, I don't know if the Josh Jacobs Raiders story was was the the, the, the you know the punchline of that story wasn't that he played in the in Canton. It was that they didn't exercise his fifth year option. Right. That was what, that's when they told us we don't value him long term. Not that he's playing in a meaningless first preseason game. So here's the deal: he's on the team. He's the best running back at the moment. They have a chance to win and win big this year. He'll get an opportunity to play, and then everything else will be figured out at the you know next next March. Absolutely, that's the way I look at it. No feelings were hurt. You know, the value of a running back is different in a fifth year option or in a new contract going forward, and that'll all work itself out. Bill Williamson joins us. Bill, finally, we talked over the years about Cliff, and Cliff finally had his day in Canton. It was super special to be there. And when you were watching it and you look back at all the years that Cliff had to wait, then to finally have that moment in that class. And from being there, it was the biggest story there. It was the biggest party. It was the biggest turnout. And Mark Davis went all in for his best friend. Can you tie this up with a Cliff Branch memory and how it made you feel knowing that he got his day in Canton, Ohio? Yeah, I mean, Cliff Branch, you know, I grew up in the Bay Area, and I'm, I'm old enough to to been there when there was the Oakland Raiders. And, you know, I, I loved Ken Stabler, and I loved Cliff Branch. You know, it's just... You know, he was the, one of the original speed guys. And I got a chance to do a story um, last week on talking to people who play with him and against him. And it was just the, the, the speed element just came popping out. One of my favorite anecdotes was uh, talk to Billy Thompson, uh, uh, you know, early 70s Pro Bowl, all-pro defensive back with the Broncos. And he told me, you know, on Saturdays I used to go to Boulder to watch college games. And Cliff played for the Buffs, of course. And so I knew who he was. And his speed blew me away as an NFL player. I'm like, mm-hmm. what's going on here with this college guy? And he goes, then, you know, a couple years later, the draft comes and he's coming to the division. I'm like, great. So, and so I, that was, I love that, that, you know, Cliff was really on the mind of NFL players even before he got to the league. That's, that's how he kind of changed things. Awesome, Bill. Good to talk to you. Look forward to having you on all year long. Really appreciate your insight. Next couple of games going to be interesting as we look back and we'll debate who played, who didn't play, and we'll get down to roster cuts, which is right in your wheelhouse. Thanks for doing this. Yep. Getting busy. Thanks. You got it, Bill Williamson. Yeah, he's going to be, Bill's going to be really good. He's always good, but he's going to be really strong when it comes to roster cuts and who's going to make the team. Again, I heard Vinny today with Heidi and Clay. And we're talking about having five, it looks like five running backs, which is typically too much. But I don't think it is with Zeus and Josh and what they have at the depth of that position. Do you want six receivers? Can you do it with five? You know the two tight ends you're going to have, Foster Moreau and Darren Wallow. You do not need three. Maybe they want to carry three because of special teams. But as Vinny said earlier today, I mean, you can't have that many at one position and think you're going to be deep in the secondary and at defensive tackle. I would rather have an extra defensive tackle because I'm not that impressed with these defensive tackles or their availability right now. And I like having five running backs, but, you know, five? Uh, Are you going to use all five of them? And what does that mean? And I sense that Josh Jacobs, excuse me, Josh Jacobs will be the feature back, but I sense Josh McDaniels is really going to use these running backs. I mean, these guys are going to be coming in fresh 
fresh running downhill and needing to run downhill because the offensive line is an elite. So if they have a little bit of a hole, they better hit it. And they better be able to move the pile forward two or three yards if they need four yards at the point of attack. It's going to be fascinating because I watched a lot of Patriot games, unfortunately, over the last 20 years. Right? They kept winning, winning, winning. And all those game plans with Brady, Gronk, two tight end set and the running backs, they knew how to move the chains because Tom Brady was the greatest to ever live. Carr's not Tom Brady, but he's damn good at the line of scrimmage. And Devontae's going to spread people out. Waller's going to be wide. Renthro's going to be in the slot. That will open up space in the middle of the field. Can this offensive line move the pile and for the fullback and the four running backs to run through? We're going to get a chance to see that in the preseason. Coming up next, Kevin Durant's a head case. You knew that already. Kurt Heelan, NBA insider, as I talk NBA here also, and we mix it in here. What will happen to Kevin Durant? What has changed in the last 48 hours as he put his foot down hard? I think his image and his Q rating is dropping through the floor. What can Durant do to save his image here as he now threw his head coach? and his GM under the bus. Damon and for Bobby, we thank our great friends at Resorts World. Come on out to Doghouse Saloon. You're looking for Monday Night Football? It's Doghouse Saloon right there in Resorts World. Free parking right off the elevators. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Grimaldi's Pizzeria, home of the famous New York-style coal-fired brick oven pizza. Oh, that's Steph McKenzie. we got to get Steph on soon. She's a diehard member of the Raider Nation. And she's right. We're brought to you by Grimaldi's. Best pizza I've ever had. All the great locations here, including the Palazzo. Got a lot to tell you about that, too. JT, DeMond on the board. Kevin Durant's in the news again. And this is an NBA town, I hope, because I think Vegas is going to get the NBA. Vegas is going to get the NBA. I'd rather have the NBA than the A's. That's just me, and I love talking NBA with one of my good friends, Kurt Heelan, kind enough to join us from NBC Sports. Here's the lead NBA insider at Basketball Talk is where to find him. And there's more insanity now with Durant and what he's doing inside the organization and outside the organization. Kurt, thanks for joining us. Where do you see this going next? That's kind of the next million-dollar question, and frankly, nobody's quite sure what to expect. You know, Shams come out with the with the report this week. Shams Charney from the Athletic that hey, Durant and Irving, I mean Durant and Josai met in London, and Durant not only, which is kind of crazy to go to the owner. It's it's much better than the LeBron. Hey, guess what I'm thinking thing. Like goes to him and goes, not only do I want to be traded, if you want to keep me, you've got to get rid of Steve Nash, the coach, and John Marks, the GM. Uh, is not going to go there. He tweeted out later that he's got those guys have his support. But I, ultimately, JT, in the short term, it doesn't change anything on the ground. In fact, it really hurts his trade. I, I don't know if he was thinking this through in the sense that it hurts his trade value because if I'm Miami, if I'm – Boston right now, GT. If you're one of them, are you upping your offer? I know. I'm, I'm now like I don't need to go harder to get him. He is forcing his way out. I'm going to make the Nets come to me rather than me have to go to the Nets with a better offer. I, 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 you got to come to me now and beat and 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 do that. So I'm. I think this drags out into training camp, and like you said, the million dollar question then becomes: Is he going to hold out? Is he going to? go Jimmy Butler in Minnesota or something and be disruptive? Or is he just going to show up and kind of try not to be a problem? 
Yeah, I think the big issue becomes if he gets traded to a team he doesn't want to go to. Every We've yeah. gotten everything out of this Durant story so far. We got the craziness of Kyrie. We got him throwing his coach and GM under the bus. You mentioned the, the trip yeah. to London with Joe Sy. Everything is there, Harden leaving ahead of all this. The one thing I really want to see is a deal on the verge that it's close where he's going to a market where he doesn't want to go to. Portland. Yeah. Toronto, someone steps up with a deal and all of a sudden it makes Durant more uncomfortable because he doesn't want to go to that market. Is that a possibility or will these smaller markets not even attempt to put a deal together? I would be really – look, I think one market would, and I think it's Toronto because they've kind of done this before. It's not that Kawhi Leonard went there and was a bad citizen. Kawhi Leonard told them up front, look, I'm going home next year. <laughs> there was no – and he was true to his word, but he also brought them a ring. Um, they might be more willing to do it. The, the, the question with Toronto is obviously what's in the package. Are you willing to put rookie, rookie of the year Scotty Barnes in to chase mm-hmm. a ring short term or not? Um, and, and that's kind of a philosophical organizational debate. The other one that's out there that would be really fascinating, if you traded a, a Pelicans with the Pelicans on a Brandon Ingram-based deal, You'd have to throw in some other people and stuff. But, man, I love Brandon Ingram, but Kevin Durant's just a much better version of Brandon Ingram, even at age 34. If, if, if that would make that on paper with a healthy Zion, with C.J. McCollum, with good role players, that's a really interesting team. Would mm-hmm. Kevin Durant even go anywhere near it? I, I, I got to think he'd be like, no. I, I gotta say, it'd be, it would be fascinating, though. Yeah, and I think that Kurt Heelan joins us at Basketball Talk from NBC. I think that's really the key point is when you're someone who wants out of a deal with us four years left, 200 million bucks, we're not talking about, okay, you got a year left or two years left and you're underpaid and you really want that extension because you outplayed your contract and you don't want to go to a small market. You want to go bigger. I get all of that. But the fact that this is a number one media market with all that money left And if they're able to patch this thing up, that's one of the things I really wanted to ask you. A lot of times in the corporate world and in politics, we don't do such a good job at it, but they do it in corporate media and Fortune 20 companies. When there's chaos and there's just adversity, everybody takes a step back. And then they come back to the table and negotiate and everything calms down. Why can't that happen in Brooklyn? Durant, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons, who's that piece? Because I'm not hearing a lot about Ben Simmons. One source told me that he's working out and they're using him at the five and defense. We know how great he is. And I'm assuming he's working on a jump shot. Can't that help put the pieces back together? Yeah. By the way, I'll believe the jump shot part when I see it. Not that he's not working on it. (laughs) (laughs) it. I just said working on it. I didn't see it. You're right. I just said working on it. But you know what he could be? And, and, and like, again, this would work really well with Durant and Irving. if he just took on a Draymond Green-like role, secondary shot creator, set a pick, roll to, the, roll to the free throw line, get that short pass. He's such a good passer. He can finish at the rim, uh, and, and it's hard to stop once he gets going downhill towards the rim. Like, he'd be, and he's such a great defender. Like, he'd be great in that role if he'd accept it and not kind of demand to be the point guard. Um, again, that's like one of eight million questions with, with Brooklyn if they ever get there. I'm... Yes, you would think so, but I think that meeting in London shows that, that these sides are just not there, that they are just – Kevin Durant wants out. And, and look, 
it's one thing, I mean, going back to Magic Johnson and frankly probably before Magic and just wasn't public, guys have tried to get gotten coaches fired. Not tried to get coaches fired. Like, they've gotten coaches fired, star players. Do you remember a time a guy went, you know what, a GM's got to go too, like publicly. Like, made it known the GM has to go. I. That's a... That's a bold move, ballsy move. Isn't it? Like just yeah. to go up and go. By the way, you got to get rid of the GM that signed me, that extended me, that has brought me in on every decision, including bringing in the coach. Like, I. It's not like Kevin Durant's fingerprints aren't part of making this roster. <laughs> he has absolutely been consulted. He has absolutely had a voice in everything. He has signed off on some level at everything, and yet here we are. Kurt Heelan, who has a column out, report, like Durant, Kyrie Irving, also not a fan of Steve Nash and Sean Marks. What is the perceived weakness of Steve Nash as a head coach? Because I don't like the way he handles Kyrie Irving, and I thought he got walked all over by Kyrie Irving, but you follow the X's and O's a lot closer and talk to a lot of owners and GMs. Is Nash in over his head? Can he coach? There's a lot of people around the league who think he is, that he's just – he's not – he would not be the first great player who could do this stuff on instinct, um, you know, run an offense, but not really be able to do it. It's one thing that, you know, it's another thing to drop a play and teach somebody and show somebody that vision and get them to execute it. It's very different than doing it yourself. And I don't care if we're talking about Jerry West or Magic Johnson with the Lakers or a host of others. There's, there's a whole long list of star players who are crappy coaches, man. But, it's one of the yeah. great things about the great Bill Russell. He, he was such an exception to that rule, wasn't he? Like, that's that, – I just don't know how many of those guys there are anymore. I don't think there's many, you know, in the NBA right now. So I don't know that – there's a lot of people who think Nash is in over his head, but I will add this. Marks has been solid. Like, Marks mm-hmm. has yeah. does not deserved to be fired. He has done exactly what you've asked from building. Remember when he took that job, and I think it was 2016, in the wake of that – trying to they, they had no picks after that Durant mm-hmm. I mean that Durant uh Garnett uh Paul Pierce deal that they just were a mess he built a culture and built a team um along with Kenny Atkinson and others that Durant wanted to come to like I just I didn't I don't see how you get rid of him Kurt Heelan, the lead NBA analyst, NBC Sports, at Basketball Talk. One of the best and easiest ways to follow someone, at Basketball Talk on Twitter. Finally, I want to throw in one wild card here for Durant, and that's Steve Ballmer and the Clippers. Because of what they're building in Los Angeles, where you're based, that super arena that's coming in, they're finally breaking away from the Lakers and being the junior varsity that got no respect at Staples Center. Now it's the Crypto.com. And Kyrie doesn't play much. Excuse me, Kawhi doesn't play much anymore. Paul George is good, but we know some of his weaknesses and inconsistencies from time to time. Is there anything with that roster or the way the contracts are set up where Steve Ballmer would come in there and make a run at Durant in L.A.? I, look, if, if Kawhi Leonard didn't work out this year, I think he'd seriously mm-hmm. consider it. Um, but I also, if you're Brooklyn – Look, what you're asking for, first and foremost, is a star under 25. You're, you're retooling. You're not contending right now. And the Clippers, every star they've got, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, even their role players, look, that is a team built to win now. <laughs> you're just not going to bring it's, – it's part of the Toronto problem. Like, they could they, – they've offered Pascal Siakam, I've heard. Like, Pascal Siakam mm-hmm. has been part of the offer. He's 28. 
he's in his prime. I don't. That's not what Brooklyn's looking for right now. They want the Jalen Browns, you know, Scotty Barnes of the world, who are twenty-five and under, and that they can be part of their longer-term future. Got it. Kurt Heelan, great job. Enjoy everything you're doing in life. Always appreciate your insight. Durant popped hey. up again. You were the first we thought of. Thank you. Hey, you know, I love talking to you, JT. Take care of yourself and your family, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. And Kurt Heelan knows this, and we'll have more on this. With Kevin Durant, who has now become the polarizing NBA player that we never thought he'd be. He went to the Warriors. He got two championships. A lot of our listeners streamed the show from the Bay Area. They love Durant. Now you take all the goodwill he did with the Warriors. Number going to be retired, legendary status up there, and most Warrior fans look down on him now and say, man, you're pretty stupid. You're rich. You got, you got generational wealth, and you're one of the all-time greats. But what would you do leaving Stephen Clay? Why would you do that? He did that because he thought he had a better plan, and the plan has backfired. And now he's getting a lot of heat, even from the team he plays for in Brooklyn. If he comes back to Brooklyn with Kyrie, and then they end up getting Ben Simmons to play better, they're going to be a two-seed in the East and have a chance to win a championship. I still think the Warriors and a couple other teams are better, but maybe cooler heads prevail. Durant really boxed himself into a corner. Coming up next, Ashley will join us from Sam and Ash. She's a great sports fan. We'll cover Marshawn Lynch's DUI. It's the biggest story in Vegas all over the news yesterday. What happens in town when that happens? Ashley will join us next and a couple of other legal topics here as we talk about some of the issues here in Vegas. Remember, we have the first home preseason game. Come see me at the Torch. We'll be broadcasting starting at 11.15 in the morning leading up to that 125 start. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by the Botanist Gin, the number one fastest growing brand. Step up your cocktail game with the Botanist Gin. Turn it up. I'm excited to talk to Ashley from Salmon Ash, SalmonAshInjuryLaw.com, because you deserve what's right. She's a tremendous attorney, a great friend. Big-time sports fan, and I hope the summer's going well. We don't have the heat that we had last summer, so you're, we're staying a little bit cooler, right, Ash? Yeah, cooler and a little wetter. The last <laughs> couple of weeks, we had some insane rain, so Did that hit different. the office? What is it like? I, I'm fascinated. I've been here a long time. Behind the link is the big flood zone out in Henderson, more so than Summerlin. What about the office, the global headquarters? Any issues with any type of flooding in your neck of the woods? No, I didn't see any real issues with flooding in in the Arts District. You know, we have a lot of construction going down because they're trying to make the sidewalks and roadways a little more pedestrian friendly Mm because we have so many restaurants and storefronts. But no, it looked like it it all cleared out pretty well. Let's move to the Marshawn Lynch DUI. I know Marshawn, but not well, being associated with the Raiders, and very unfortunate to see that booking photo, to see the car, to see it on TMZ. Uh, do a deep dive on what you saw as it happened not too far from your office. Yeah, it's a, only a couple blocks away, and you know these headlines are just really sad and really terrible, and thankfully no one was injured in this type of incident. We last year we had the tragedy and but luckily here we didn't. We just had a, a really poor decision and and the only one that's going to have to pay the consequences is Marshawn Lynch, but he's, you know, he's someone that 
kids look up to, people look up to, other former players, current players, rookies look up to, and he's making routine bad decisions for himself, and it's dangerous for our community. When you see what happened with the tire being gone and the rim and all of that and uh, some of the drama that happened before the vehicle came to rest and then what the police officers have to deal with, again, innocent till proven guilty, but here having the expertise that you've had over your career, what are some of the other things you've noticed about this particular incident? Yeah, innocent until proven guilty. But, you know, as the evidence stacks up against you, it's not good. I I mean, the guy's hitting curbs, popping tires and continuing to drive. You know, the other day we had a few pedestrian fatalities in the middle of the night or early morning, like 4 a.m. I mean, those could have been bodies he was running over and no one would have known and he wouldn't have stopped. So this is stuff that it's really bad and it's not it's not a good look on our town and we need to start taking it seriously. And it starts at the top. I know you wanted to speak about this, and we're talking to Ashley from Salmon Ash. Uh, just go to the website. You'll find everything you need, SalmonAshLaw.com. These pedestrian fatalities really bother me, and it, I saw it on the cover of the Las Vegas Review-Journal today as people are really alarmed as kids are going back to school, and we continue to see this problem here in the Valley. Yeah, it's really sad. You know, we're, we're a 24-7 town. We've got people on the roadways 24-7. We've got pedestrians on the roadways also, and we have to share them. We have to be conscious. We have to be aware of what we're doing. Don't look at your phone. Don't change the radio station while you're moving, even if the song's terrible that comes on. We have to focus on the roadway because you never know what's going on, and we've had too many of these tragedies happen on our roadways, and we need to be safe for not only tourists that come here to enjoy our town for a weekend, but for the locals, for everyone who lives here day in and day out. One thing that really bothers me, Ashley, is the fact that people go flying through these yellow lights as they're about to turn red, and they take off and they see a yellow light, and they're off in the distance, and then they speed and go through that, and let's touch on the pedestrian, who the pedestrian, as you say, they're distracted, they might not be able to see through the traffic because there's a car right in front of them in the first lane, and then they jump out when they see the green light, able to walk, and then all of a sudden someone's trying to beat through that red light because it turned yellow and they thought they could get through a yellow light it drives me crazy you're absolutely right jt you know we are very impatient apparently and we are we see it too often where people are trying to run red lights or take off too early before it even turns green and as a pedestrian you have to be 100 percent head on a swivel you know in sports you learn that all the time keep your head up and and moving So you know what's going on around you, and you have to have that attitude as you're walking, even in the crosswalk as a pedestrian. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, another thing that bothers me, I see it at Flamingo when I'm coming back from the Strip. I like to take Flamingo all the way up to my home and get on the 215, and I see people walking over the freeway. And they're walking over the freeway, and they're trying to run as people are getting onto the freeway ramps here. That's a really big cause for concern because at times you're not supposed to go that way. And if people can't wait for a cab or an Uber, they try to climb over and go over the freeways there. That seems to be becoming a bigger issue. I'm seeing more and more people try to do that as they're going above and beyond these freeway ramps. Yeah, it's crazy what people will do in our town, and some of it's poor decision-making because of substances in their system, and some of it's just all-around bad life choices. But, you know, as a community, we have to look at these things, and as we see them occurring more and more often, we also have to take steps to prevent it and deter it, you know, put 
put walls up, put rails up, barricades, et cetera. And so we just have to address these issues as they come at us. And unfortunately, a lot of times it takes tragedies before we pay attention. Ashley Watkins from Sam and Ash. They're available to answer your questions 24-7. So if you get into an accident, call Sam and Ash. They're the ones I trust, 702-820-1234. What'd you see over here over the last couple of weeks with these monsoons and the typical typical injury accidents to come out of these wet weather events where people aren't used to driving under these conditions. Yeah, absolutely. We're not used to it. And also we take for granted dry roadways. So Mm. when the rain hits, it's often very slick due to the oil buildup. And a lot of people are driving on tires that don't have the most uh, perfect tread. So tire safety is important slow down, make sure you have enough room to break, and you don't have an unnecessary accident when it's easily avoidable. Uh, Will you be attending any Raider preseason games? We know you're a big Golden Knight fan. The Raiders have two more preseason home games. we got Minnesota, then we have the dreaded Patriots coming in (laughs) before the regular season starts. Tell me what you've noticed about the Raiders now as a lot of the starters aren't playing, but we're very confident in Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, and Darren Waller when they take the field. Well, JT, if that's my invite, I'll be there. So (laughs) I look forward to supporting the Raiders this year. And I'm excited. There's a lot of energy, a lot of great acquisitions during the offseason. Derek Carr has a lot of maturity. They've been through a lot. I'm really, really optimistic and excited for our team this year and can't wait to support them inside the the dark dark star. Uh, You noticed you were telling me before you came on, you were listening to what I was saying about Kevin Durant. With the guest I just had on and the fact that he's now throwing his coach and his GM under the bus, you're a Laker fan, to see Kevin Durant. There are some light rumors that LeBron James, if he can't win with the Lakers, if it just seems like he cannot win with this team, would you be okay with LeBron chasing another ring, going somewhere else, and letting him out of L.A.? Yeah, I would be, but I would be really shocked if he left right now. He's got two kids in high school area and age level, and so I would be shocked if LeBron tried to move out of town right now chasing a ring. I think ultimately he wants to be in Hollywood where there's attention. He's talked about acquiring an NBA team maybe in Vegas or doing something like that, so I I don't really see him doing it, but if he wants to, Godspeed. Your studio sounds great. I'd love to host this show from your studio one day (laughs) if you will accommodate me, okay? Anytime, JT. (laughs) Thank you, Ashley. I'll talk to you soon. Give my best to Sam. All right, I will. Bye, JT. There she is, Ashley Salmonash, InjuryLaw.com, because you deserve what's right. The phone number is 702-820-1234. Look, what happened to Marshawn Lynch, when it happens in Vegas, everybody turns to us in Vegas and says, Vegas is insane. This happens everywhere. It happens in New York City. It happens in Miami. It happens in Los Angeles all the time. But when it happens in Vegas, everybody wants to talk about the time, where they were coming from, where were they on their way. As we've always said, do not drink and drive under any circumstance. There is no need to, especially in this town where it's very easy to get transportation. I just got back from Canton, Ohio. Not easy. So I was hitting my Uber, and, you know, we were throwing down some pops over the weekend, doing some stuff, and 18, 30-minute wait on an Uber because it was Hall of Fame weekend in Canton, Ohio. That's what you have to do in Vegas. 
it's really easy to let someone sober drive you. So when you see stories like that, do the right thing. It's the right thing to do. And again, we know it's going to happen again. Hopefully there's no fatalities. And please stop drinking and driving in Vegas. 702-365-9200. And Damon, as we're wrapping it up today, as we put the show together, uh, your thoughts as we get ready for Q coming up here. We spent a lot of time talking about some depth positions, especially at the safety position and the offensive line. What are you most excited about? And what are you most concerned about as we get ready for the preseason game against the Vikings? Well, I'm going to start with the concerns to get that out of the way now. The offensive line, Brandon Parker, I know he takes a beating online where people Mm -hmm. say he's not that good, but he's better than the people that are behind him. So if he's going to be injured, that's a concern there because I want to defend the players as much as possible. You might think that he's a bad player, but there's a reason he's in the position that he's in. Mm -hmm. So if he's not going to be playing, I'm really going to want to see on Sunday against the Vikings who's going to step up in that place. You made a good point, and you'll be there, we'll be there. You said that that one of the good positive things here, and I don't want to take words out of your mouth, but the ability to see more offensive linemen play, get shuffled around, play unique positions. I think, I hope we see that after I sit down with the coach and GM and we have our meeting on Friday. I don't want to know who's going to play. I want to know that multiple guys are going to be switching back and forth and thrown into the fire. Yeah, a player that I want to keep my eye on is Bam Olasini. He's mm-hmm. a big guy out of Utah. You know, he came to football yeah. late because he's over from England, but he's just got like those raw tools of being 6'8", 340. Now he's going to get a chance to maybe get a little bit more playing time. Absolutely. Undrafted rookie. I, you know, just sometimes in basketball, and you don't see it too much in football, but just those guys that he's just a monster. He's a freak. He's a freak of nature. And I just say, hey, if you give him enough time, give him, coach him up the right way, how can he be bad? But yeah. I know that size doesn't always impact that, but he's just one of those guys, when you look at him, it's just like, how is he a bad player? You can't tell me he's a bad player. Look at the size of this guy. Well, the one thing that I know from all the years working here with these coaches, and we have a new coach here now, is that this coach wants everybody available. Everybody available, everybody ready to practice and play. So did John Gruden, so did Jack Del Rio, but this is different. This is the Patriots and the new system here in Las Vegas, and the system worked. In New England. Everybody, that's a big point of emphasis for me. Whatever they did in the preseason, I don't remember what Belichick and Josh did in the preseason three years ago. I have no idea. I know that Tom Brady didn't play, and I know the offensive line had a bunch of guys you never heard of, and they ended up winning Super Bowls. They ended up playing at a very high level. Brady left, and now they got some issues there with some coaching because some coaches came here, and the preparation for their quarterback is not what we have in Vegas with an offensive coordinator with six Super Bowl rings who's now a head coach. Again, thanks to Damon. Thanks to Bill Williamson, who was fantastic. Vinny Bonsignor, Ashley from Sam and Ash, and Kurt Heelan. I'm here tomorrow. Friday, Harry Ruiz is in for me. Sunday, we'll be broadcasting from the torch, and we'll have the pregame. I don't know what you guys are doing and gals are doing for the tailgates. I usually just park in the media, and then I walk through the black hole. Don't know who's going. Don't know who's tailgating. But it's always good when I invite you to to the torch to come up there and see that. I think it's the coolest location in all of professional sports for a pregame show. All I say is meet me at the torch, the Al Davis Memorial Torch. It's easy to get to. And come on up there and say hello. Love to shake your hand as we get ready for the regular season in a couple of weeks here. Q's on deck. He's in the building. He just made a run to the store. So that means something good's going to happen. He's ready to roll. He's at practice. He grinds it out and does a great show every day. Have a great day. It could be raining soon, so be safe on the road. Thanks to all of our proud partners. We'll see you back here tomorrow.